Hey, what's up, guys? This is Eastman's Elevated, and I'm Brian Barney. Uh, today on the episode, we've got on Clint Casper. So, Clint, he's uh, originally from Ohio, and he's hunted turkeys and whitetails his whole life. He's he's a, a really good whitetail hunter, and has killed some absolute giants um, out there. But in the last few years, he's kind of embarked on coming out west for adventure hunts. Um, so there's a lot to be learned from Clint. He he's just super motivated, and he's he's just embarked on coming out west and gathering as much information as he can about western hunting. And and so now he's doing these adventure hunts every year out out west here. And so um, just a, a great conversation and good guy to sit down with. And no matter if you're from the Midwest, the East Coast, or or even if you live out west here, we kind of get stuck in a rut where we hunt. And and so. Uh, Clint's a good example of getting out of your comfort level and and getting to a new hunting spot and finding a new hunting spot. So a bunch of good information on this one. Um, So over there at Eastman's, over at the office, um, so we've got this this new thing coming out, and it's called the rewarming drill. This is so cool. So um, what Eastman's did is they – you know, it's all about rewarming your body like after you get wet, soaking wet, and make sure you can get out of the hills. Um, they did a test there in the middle of the winter where one of the Eastman staffers, I think it was Todd Orr, they had him jump in the river, you know, when everything was frozen over, jump in the river and then get himself warm. And there's a couple different ways you can do it, uh, you know, by by movement, keeping your body warm. And then they do this other drill with, the, you know, hopping in your sleeping bag. I think it's with your clothes on. You know, I'm I'm not totally sure on the details, but I can't wait to see this come out. They they videoed it. It's gonna come out um, on Eastman's video, and then also there's a big write up in the next magazine about it. So, um, anyways, you guys check this out. The rewarming drill. Ton of good information for us Western hunters. Make sure we don't catch hypothermia out there and and uh, end up returning back to Mother Earth. So um, check that out. Uh, today's uh, today's episode is brought to you by Hornady Bullets. Um, they're, they're pushing their ELDX, um, premium bullet. So this bullet is technically advanced match accuracy. Um, it's a hunting bullet that features the highest in class ballistic coefficiency and consistency, um, and, and controlled expansion, you know, at, 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 ev- at every range, whether it's close range or extended range, um, you know, it's going to expand and do its job. Hornady has a great company. I use their ammo, you know, for my, my girls when they're hunting, including my daughter and my wife. Um, we've had nothing but great results out of their bullets. So Hornady, uh, thanks for sponsoring the podcast. Um, so let's get this thing rolling. Eastman's elevated Clint Casper. Here we go. Okay, I'm here with Clint Casper. Clint, how are you tonight? Ryan, doing good, doing good. How are you doing? Good. Um, so you're all the way out in Ohio. How's your winter been? Well, I'd like to say it's been a lot colder with a lot more snow for the uh, deer hunting purposes. And since I'm a, a road worker for the highway department and whatnot, I uh, kind of make a living uh, when it comes to overtime and time off for hunting in the winter so it's been a little bit bleak here as of late but hopefully i get some more of that white stuff here in february or march oh gotcha see we've been getting hit hard over here on the on the west coast or in the western states we've been getting a bunch of snow you know i know you know we're a little bit worried about wyoming and colorado and some places 
um, that have had huge snowpacks and the deer are having a tough winter there. But it's kind of January was really tough, a lot of snow, and it's kind of letting up here towards the, the end of January. So we're hoping for the best and, and good numbers. And I know they are supplemental feeding, you know, in places in Idaho. So, yeah, it's been a real winter out here, but it's wild how it's it's different on the other side of the country. Yeah, I've been trying to keep up with what's going on out there because I got, you know, points in different states out there. And I, I've been just thinking to myself, oh, man, you know, I know there was that big winter kill. What was that in 08 yep. in Colorado and out that way? So I know a lot of states are just kind of getting built back up and getting, you know, good numbers of mature bucks and whatnot built back up. And I was kind of thinking about that the other day. I thought, oh, man, you know, I I sure hope they don't have another terrible kill this winter but i mean not like you can you know do anything about it or change what mother nature has in store but yeah totally um supplemental feeding and all that i mean that's uh that definitely uh will help things out for sure yeah for sure keep those things you know so they um you know so they just so we don't get a huge winter kill they get so much snow they can't get down to any food and then just end up starving to death so yeah they supplemental feed in a lot of the winter ranges and things like that so yeah hopefully it helps with our numbers here but uh so the reason i wanted to have you on the podcast clint is so um you're you're a diehard whitetail guy from the midwest and you've killed some giant bucks and you've you've learned a ton about whitetails and then lately in the last few years you've just immersed yourself in western hunting and falling in love with it. And I know every time I talk with you, you're so excited and enthusiastic about hunting the West. And so, you know, I just wanted to have your perspective of, of gaining information and, and going on these adventure hunts out West and, and uh, you know, just kind of your perspective on it. So um, you're in love with the Western hunting, right? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to me, everyone that knows me, I mean, it's always been white tails, white tails, white tails. And the older I got, you know, all these magazines and, and the DVDs and on TV and going to the different shows, you know, you, you, you talk to guys and you see all this out west stuff. And I got to a certain point where I was like, you know, man, it just sounds like such a crazy adventure out there. And, and it it's almost... Like it's overwhelming to think about being in Ohio and going out and doing like what you guys all do. But the more and more I thought about it and the more I started looking into it, I thought, man, I have got to jump into this head first and just see, you know, see what happens. And, uh, finally did. And I mean, I've just never looked back. I mean, I'm as, I'm as hooked on it now as I am with the whiteies back here in Ohio. And I mean, it's just. I never would have dreamed that it would have caught fire per se like it did for me, but wow, I mean, uh, it definitely has, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a true adventure, isn't it? And, uh, in every meaning of the word, I mean, you had coming from Ohio and going halfway across the country and immersing yourself in it for a seven or eight or ten day hunt. Um, can be real overwhelming just gathering the information or choosing where you're going to go. But once you actually jump off and do it and then you get those days in and you're surviving back in the wilderness and, and you get good opportunity, you know, it it is. It's like no other experience out there. It's just great. So, no, it's just awesome that, that uh, you've taken on that challenge. And like I say, I can tell you're hooked now. So, 
So where does a guy begin? And I think this pertains to, you know, anybody that lives in the Midwest or the East Coast that wants to take on Western hunting and doesn't know where to start. But I also think it pertains to a lot of us guys out West. Um, it's really easy to get kind of stuck in a rut and always hunt where your family's hunted or, you know, always hunt in this spot that you've seen game animals. And so, you know, you almost get stuck in a rut where you can't travel across the state or you feel like you can't travel across the state or take on something new or travel to a new state. And so, you know, I think it's such a common thread with all of us hunters out there. And so you jumped off and you've made the trips and you've been going to different places, but, but how did you get started in, in gathering? Gathering information and and figuring out where you were going to go. Well, you know, Brian, it, it it's kind of started for me with um, I kind of had this. I've always had this dream that I wanted to uh, be a freelance outdoor writer, primarily in the bow hunting realm. Um, I've just I've always been in love with reading the stories and the magazines and whatnot. So. When I finally started to, to really um, get serious about this, it was probably right around the time I was about to graduate high school, and so about 10 years ago or so, I'm 28 now, and um, I started venturing off into um, Kansas and Kentucky and Pennsylvania hunting deer and turkeys, and mainly all public ground, and um, I'm kind of going to start with this because by going to these other states, even though it was I'm hunting deer and turkey stuff I've hunted here in Ohio, it made me have to kind of do research on my own. Uh, here in Ohio, I'm lucky I've got a lot of, of you know private ground. Me and my dad grain farm, so I've got access to a couple thousand acres of, of you know ground that we own or we lease. And once once I traveled out of state, it was kind of all public. So you know now you're talking to people. Um, you're talking to, to wildlife officers. You're, you know, you're looking at, um, the DNR websites to gain information. Okay. What counties are producing, um, right now? Um, where's the good deer population numbers at? Where's, you know, where are the most turkeys being checked in at? So then from, so, you know, I started that kind of Midwest out of state public hunting and then I've taken that and kind of use that philosophy with my out west stuff. Um, you know, whenever I first started, I wanted to go after an elk. I said, okay, I said, you know, I, I, I went out to New Mexico on a mountain lion hunt, and that kind of opened up my eyes to how awesome the west was. It was a super tough hunt. Um, it was, you know, a, a dry land hunt with hounds. I personally did not think it was going to be as hard as what it was, but I loved every minute of it. I mean, the, the ruggedness, the mountains, the scenery, all the animals I saw. I mean, I just totally fell in love with it. I, on the sixth day, shot a, a really nice tom with my bow, and I said, okay, this coming fall, I am coming back. I'm going to get an elk tag, hopefully, and we're going to go after one, hopefully, in the Gila Mountains. And that's what I did. Minute I, minute I found out I got a tag drawn, I was in 16 unit, I think I was, I was in D actually, 16 D. I just, you know, for me it was so overwhelming with all the information that you need. I just, you know, kind of sat down and thought, okay, where can I start? And, 
you know, I mean, Eastman's has the MRS section, the members research section. And I mean, for a guy like me, that was, uh, I mean, worth its weight in gold because they give you so much useful knowledge and, and information um, in charts and graphs and they break it down, you know, by, you know, by the, by the units and, and by the different sections to where a guy like me can see, okay, this section of the state has been hot or there's, there's a good, um, you know, that there's a good chance to get drawn here. I mean, when I jumped into this out West stuff, I had to learn about the point systems and, you know, I mean, I just didn't know how all that stuff worked. So there was just so much to try to figure out. Um, that, like I said, it was kind of overwhelming at first, but I just started kind of breaking it down by, okay, I need to pick an area I want to go in. Um, you know, right off the bat, it was going to be New Mexico. That was going to be kind of my first trip. And I just kind of broke it down into, okay, you know, kind of what section do I want to be in of the state? And, you know, where do I have a good chance of getting a tag drawn? Um, you know, and that's just kind of how I started things was, Really just, you know, by trying to gain as much information as I could through, you know, online and in, you know, like, like Eastman's, like I said, the M MRS was huge. Um, I know, you know, you guys put the actual, the MRS like book out every year, but even in the, the publications, even in the, you know, the Eastman magazine for the members, I mean, every issue you've got it in the back. I mean, that was worth its weight in gold, like I said. For a guy like me. Yeah, for sure. No, I use the MRS a bunch. Yeah, no, those guys compile oh, yeah. a bunch of information in there. And yeah, you can kind of just get a feel. And you're right, you kind of got just got to pick a state that you like, that you've heard about, and, and you start breaking that state down. And along with the MRS, you know, I definitely like to use, you know, like the Pope and Young and the Boone and Crockett books. I've talked about that. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, yep. also the state game agencies, like you mentioned traveling out of Ohio, you know, the state game agencies, and some are better than others, but a lot of them have s statistics on, you know, actual populations, buck to doe yep. ratios, you know, bull to cow ratios, you know, and you just start to build a graph. And then I think it was important what you said, like as you're looking in that MRS, you're looking for places you want to hunt, but you're also looking for places that you can draw too. It's like a, a fine line of trying to find good hunting, but also trying to find a tag that you don't have to wait 10 years for or a dozen years for. And, and definitely coming from Ohio or even coming from Montana driving down there, you know, you want to make sure that you're going to have a good experience. You want to make sure that you're going to be able to find game animals and get into them. And so, you know, the farther you are away, I think the more apt or the better off you are to save just a handful of points and just make sure that you're getting into a good tag and you're getting into a good experience. And, and there's tons of over-the-counter and easy-to-draw places where you can draw with zero or one points, but it's tough if you don't live in that state and you can't scout that state. It's tough to pull the trigger and put all your eggs in that basket, you know, on and over-the-counter. I think, like, learning over-the-counter spots are easy to draw tags. Like, I, I've gone to, like, one of the best spots I have in Colorado. I saved, I think, three or four points for the bow tag, and I, I went in there, and as I was in that unit, you know, I... 
I glassed across over the far ridge, which went into a different unit, and I saw bucks crossing into there. You know, and now I'm spending time in that state. I learned that whole unit. I looked at the borders, but seeing those bucks cross planted the seed that, hey, I think there's bucks over the top of that thing and got me looking at maps in that unit, you know, with that with that information. And then, you know, that unit ended up being better than the unit that took me four points to draw, you know, and now I, I love hunting in that, that far unit over there. But no, you're right. It's just gathering a bunch of information. The wildlife biologists have a bunch of good information. And also, like, if you can just get around to other bow hunters, like, I'm not sure if the forums are a good place, but I know, like, um, the train to hunt or, you know, archery shoots or guys are willing to help you out with information and willing to share information. And, and you can't just always take in information. You want to put it back out in the world, too, and help other people out. But but people are willing to give information, you know, if you can just hang out with other bow hunters, you know, and, and kind of search those spots, too. I think that would be good for research. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been, uh, I mean, there were so many guys that I reached out to, you know, via Facebook and Instagram that I knew, you know, were already way ahead of me in this game and were guys that I felt like I could, you know, relate to and, and, and reach out to that I could ask some questions and just kind of get a little bit of, of insight on, hey, you know, um, I'm thinking about going to this state, maybe this region, um, do, do you have any pointers? Uh, is there any place I need to look, you know, on, on the state, you know, websites or, you know, it, you know, is, is there some stuff I need to really look at that could help me kind of narrow it down even more into a certain unit? And I mean, there's a, like you say, there's a lot of guys. I mean, the, the bow hunting community is, is super tight. There's a lot of guys out there that are willing to, you know, to help somebody, especially somebody new like myself. You know, that's only kind of been in this game a few years. Um, you know, I remember that first trip going out. I mean, even like days leading up to me actually driving and heading on the hunt, I still felt like, oh my gosh, I mean, I've just got so much running through my head and you're trying to get everything, you know, do I have everything? Is everything in line? Is this, you know, am, am I ready? And it's just like, you know, it, it's nice to be able to talk to guys that are like, hey man, we've all been there. Just go out, have a good time do it, live it, enjoy it, you know, and, and you, you, I mean, it's like anything else. You learn from your mistakes and you learn from the mishaps and the mess ups. And that's what, you know, ends up leading to success down the road. I mean, that's, you know, that got me to where I am now with the whitetails and turkeys here. So that was kind of my philosophy heading west was just, okay, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to go for it. You know, we're going to put uh, intimidation and fear in the rearview mirror, and we're just going to grab my bow and my pack and go out and, and battle it and just see what happens. I mean, and, you know, it's uh, it's worked out a couple times. And, you know, like this past year, I went to Colorado and was out there eight or nine days, and I didn't get it done. But, I mean, it was still a great experience. And the stuff that you learn just from being out there and doing it, I mean, you just can't can't gain that type of experience and knowledge no matter what you read or what you watch on tv i mean until you actually go do it it's just you know like you said it's 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 hard to beat that kind of experience but there are a lot of places and things that can help you before you ever get there to kind of have yourself prepared and have a good game plan put together 
Yeah, no, that's huge. Is to know know kind of what you're getting into and know what to expect. Um, but you're so right. Experience is the best teacher, you know. And I that's why I'm the bow hunter that I am today. Is because I I spend so many days afield and I spend so many days in different terrains, hunting different species in different states, and the research. And then and then I start all over and I find a new spot and figure out how to hunt that. But experience is the best teacher. You just got to pay attention to the lessons that again but you're right you just got to get out here and get hunting and gain that experience and gain that knowledge and you may not be successful every time out i mean i'm not as successful every time out and especially in the beginning you know in the in the beginning in those learning phases you know you you just got to get time under your belt you got to get stocks you got to um, you, you know, work on your glassing, but you just gotta immerse yourself in it. And that's what's wild is, is while you were researching units and figuring out where you're gonna go and how you're gonna hunt it, you also have to research like how to hunt western game. And even though you're, you're super well seasoned in hunting and hunting whitetails and turkeys and turkeys are on the move and, and stalking through and, and trying to locate the western game out here, it, it, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother deal, you know, it's a whole nother facet to hunting, you know, the spot and stock and the the learning how to do it and your vantage points and it, it's just different. And so you had to learn everything from the ground up pretty much, you know, which is wild. Yeah, I mean, you know, here in Ohio, primarily, um, I pretty much bow hunt everything and went with whitetails because it's a lot of broken up farm country and small tracks. I mean, you're pretty much, you know, kind of almost stuck to, I, I do a lot of, um, you know, a lot of stand hunting. Um, I use a climber a lot. I like to, I like to kind of move with the deer, but you know, lock ons and, and climbers and occasionally a ground blind, but you know, you can't really spot and stalk a whole lot just because if you do bump one or two, and they take off and take three or four more with them. I mean, you just blew your whole woods out. So going from hunting deer here to going and hunting, say, muleys out in Colorado, I mean, huge, huge learning curve on what to expect and just your tactics and everything are totally different. Um, one thing I will say that I think has helped me is I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big turkey hunter and I love to have that kind of run and gun style, even with a bow in my hand. I, I love to bow hunt birds. And um, I've learned with, you know, with hunting them with a bow and, and that kind of run and gun style is you, you can't be too aggressive, but yet you don't want to be too passive. And, and, and I almost say I'm a passive aggressive type of turkey hunter. And I kind of almost have that same philosophy out out west i mean with with the elk and the muleys and stuff is you know when i have a chance to make a move and go for it i do but at the same time there might be a, you know a time where i've got to sit back and i've got to watch and see what some birds do or even like on my elk hunt i i, I had a you know the bull ended up killing i had him bugling and whatnot but I was kind of waiting to see what he was going to do and, and if he was going to hit this secondary spine off this big ridge. And, and once, you know, once I figured he was going to do that, then I hurried up and got the wind in my favor and, and got ahead of him and, and, you know, made my way down in, you know, to the bottom of that spine and was able to cut him off and get him killed at seven steps, you know. But it's, it's kind of funny how, you know, uh, I have 
kind of taken that philosophy with like hunting turkeys and stuff with my bow and used it out there. And I mean, it has worked. And I do think that's helped me to kind of blend the two. I mean, I know it's not, you know, like I said, it's not exactly the same, but there's some similarities in that style that I have hunting birds here and out in Kansas and different places. And I kind of use that out West, you know, and, and it's, it's, I'm by no means, you know, um, uh, professional by any means out there, but it has, you know, it's got me pretty close to some, some good muleys and, um, you know, I, I did get, get my, my first bull elk killed, you know, by doing that. And, um, so, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I try to blend the two. I'm a big structure guy here with whitetails. I'm always looking at maps, um, you know, saddles and pinch points and funnels and, and, you know, ridge tops and, you know, the spines that run off a ridge and, and, you know, your, your secondary ridges. And I mean, I, I just, I'm always looking at how I can use, you know, the ground and structure and the landscape to put animals in front of me, you know, primarily deer here in Ohio. And I've really tried to use that too, because, you know, I can't get to Colorado four or five times during the summer and, you know, glass some of these basins and, and look, you know, look at these bulls and bucks and velvet. I, I wish I could. I mean, I love watching deer here in velvet and getting footage of them and all that, but uh, my schedule just doesn't allow me to do that. So, I mean, I really, really, really rely on, you know, maps and, and Google Earth and different things like that to try to help me once I got a unit figured out that I'm going to go into to try to figure out these little hidden spots and, okay, you know, here's a saddle or here's this, you know, and just try to mark places that I think animals are going to be ahead of time. So I've already kind of got a game plan. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I've been reading your stuff and following you for years. I mean, I, I know you kind of do the same thing. And I mean, I know it's that that's worked out great for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. Um, so that's great. So you're taking, um, and I should have seen that too. You take the similarities and you're using, you're transposing your knowledge from turkeys and whitetails to out west and just changing your tactics a little bit. So you're, you're really using the topography and you're studying up and having a game plan in your head and places that you're going to go and places that you think are good. It's so important to know, you know, where you're headed and to have a game plan because once you get there, the hunt's always tougher than you think it's going to be, and the land always looks different than your research. I mean, sure, it's got the same spines and the same valleys, but it seems like it's always so much bigger, you know, or it takes you so much longer to travel country. But just having those ideas and planting that seed and doing that research, you know, you just you know your next spot you're going to walk, the next spot you're going to look, you know, and, and having that game plan and having a few different spots that you've studied up where you think animals, you know, it – it just gives you a plan for your hunt where you don't feel as lost. You know, if you go into one spot and you don't find them there, it's like, well, I got this other spot I looked at. I, I think I'm going to roll over there and go look at that spot. So, no, I, th I think you're doing things the right way. Um, you know, and I, I also like how you transposed your run and gun style for turkeys and it, it, it is. It's like an instinct deal, you know. It's 
you say you're passive aggressive. I love that saying. It's one of my favorites because you do. You have to know when to be aggressive and know when to be passive, but it's all instincts. It all comes from uh, from hunting and from experiences and, and kind of reading the animals and knowing. And just like your bull, you waited for him to get on the right ridge, and then you said, okay, now I'm pulling the trigger, and now I'm going all in, and I'm going to get the wind right and make my play. I know that I got a good chance to kill that bull, and it's it's recognizing those opportunities. And another thing about the run and gun that I think you've learned on turkeys is the most important thing is to know when to slow down. A lot of times you got to cut things off and you got to get in front of things and you got to move quick. And even on a stock, you move quick when they can't see you to cover ground so they don't move by the time you get there. But you have to know when to slow down and when to start being, you know, really passive and holding up and relocating that buck. Because once you spook that game animal, you've lost your chance. You know, you, he's done. You may relocate him in a day or so, but you've lost your chance for the day. And so knowing when to really slow down and then, and then, you know, listening to yourself too. Don't go that hurry up and see if he's there, hurry up and see if he's over that ridge or, oh, the wind's kind of shifting, but I'm going to see anyways if he's there. You know, you got to trust your instincts and you, you, you gotta, you gotta know when to slow down and also know when to back out and go, man, this isn't looking right. I think I'm just going to back out and relocate this buck. And then I have all day and all, you know, evening to try to hunt that buck and maybe he'll make another mistake, but you, you got to really know when to slow down when you're running and gunning, which, which comes from instincts and it comes from, from also just, really thinking and analyzing the situation you're in and trying to think about it with a clear head. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and there again, I'm going to go back to like we already said, with just experience from being in those situations, you just have that sixth sense about you to know, okay, you know, this buck is feeding, the wind's in my face, his head's down. I, I got to get 25, 30 yards right now. And, and you just go, you know, you just, you, you just make your move and you do it or, you know, okay. Uh, you know, this, this bull elk, he's, he's messing around, you know, uh, in a wallow or whatever, you know, he's occupied now. I, you know, I got to cut the distance in half. I got to make a move. And it's like, like you said, I mean, you, you just have to know when to, okay, now's the time versus, Okay, we're going to slow things down. We're going to let the, you know, we're just going to watch and see what he's going to do. We're going to figure out kind of the direction looks like he's going to go. We're going to make another plan from there. But, you know, that just all comes with being in the situation and, and, and really just kind of trusting yourself. You know, I, I always tell people, um, you know, you've, you've got to have that. Uh, you know, mental toughness on a hunt like this, but you've got to have self-confidence in you and your abilities too, because, you know, you're the, you're the only one out there. And if you don't believe in your plan or you don't believe in yourself on these stocks or while you're glassing or whatever the case may be, I mean, you're really cutting your chances. I mean, probably way less than half because you know, mentally, you're not keeping yourself in the game. And I mean, you've just, you've got to keep yourself mentally in the game, especially, I mean, on some of these long stocks or even glassing. I mean, there's times where you're behind the glass for hours and it's like, man, you're not picking anything up and you're not seeing nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, there's a, 
a 180 inch typical in velvet that stands up or flicks his ear and you know okay now it's game on but you know i mean you just you, you gotta have that confidence to grind it out and stick it out and like i said the mental toughness too i mean both those come into you know into play on these stocks and on especially on these type of backcountry you know public land diy hunts i mean they both just kind of go hand in hand in my opinion yeah, no, for you're absolutely right, and and uh, like you say, you've read my stuff. That mental toughness and that believing in you in yourself is such a huge part of it. And and like uh, you know, if you're in there and you're half-heartedly hunting, like you go into a spot and you say you choose this drainage and you start walking up there, and and, and all of a sudden a mile or two into it, you're starting to think, man, I'm not going to see anything in here. I I should really be in this other spot. I should have been in that spot I was yesterday, or I should have been in there. The moment you start letting your mind wander like that, you're not hunting as hard. You're not looking as closely for animals, and you're going to miss things, and you're not going to find that epic spot. Like if, if you decide to hunt for a spot in the day, you believe in that spot, and you give it everything you have. Have. And even if you don't see anything that entire morning or that entire evening or or maybe that entire day, you still you have to believe they're there. And, and same thing like you're saying with the vantage point, you make such a good uh, a good point with that is is sitting on that vantage looking. It's real easy to think you're not going to see anything to look that first 10 minutes of light, that first 15 minutes of light. Um, and think, man, there's nothing here, man. I gotta, I'm gonna go back to camp, or I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do that. But you gotta stick with it, and you gotta believe, and, and believe that you're gonna see it. And same thing, like you're saying, mental toughness on the stocks. Um, every animal I see, I think I can kill. Now that's a blessing and a curse, but I'll see an animal five miles away, and I think this is why I've been so successful with my bow and arrow. Is I think a lot of guys will see an animal a ways away and go, man, there's you know, I got my bow, it's five miles and two drainages away, like, man, it's too far over there, I probably won't even get close anyways, you know, I see that animal and go, I think I can kill that thing, you know, whether it's to make my move right now or to get closer, to get a closer vantage point, every animal I ever see, I think I can kill. Now, I only kill, you know, maybe 10% or 20% of those, but I believe in myself and I believe in my stalking and, and in my skill set and in my shooting that... Every animal I see, I think I can kill, and and I've got to kind of hold myself off. And and like we were talking about, you know, having that passive aggressiveness, you got to know when to lay off and just watch. Like if they're going into a timber patch and you have a low percentage play on them, you go, okay, I'm just gonna keep here. I'm gonna watch. Or if that wind's swirling and you go, man, if I go over there, he's gonna win me, you know. And so you you do have to know when to pull back and know when to go for it. But but you have to believe in yourself and believe even the spot you're hunting when you go in there and that's such a huge piece of the puzzle to being successful oh yeah absolutely and you know i relate the mental toughness and and you know just having faith in yourself and in a spot i relate that back to honestly how i hunt whitetails in a sense because our rut here is you know say that last week, October, and then all through into November, clear up even into Thanksgiving. I mean, that, you know, those four or five weeks, usually I'm off work at least three out of those four weeks. And, you know, and I mean, I'm pounding the woods. Um, daylight till dark. I mean, it, you know, all my friends and everyone there, you know, they always say, oh, 
you know, if Clint's got a buck tag, his feet won't touch the ground in the month of November during daylight unless he's getting down to track one. And, you know, uh, we all laugh about it, but I mean, honestly, you know, I can think back to two years ago, I hunted 17 days straight, dark till dark, until I finally killed this buck. And I was bouncing around on a couple different stands based off the wind and stuff. But I just, I had my mind made up this year where he was making too many mistakes. I was seeing him. I just knew sooner or later if I stuck with it and I, you know, I allowed myself to, you know, to just trust in my mental toughness and trust in my confidence that I was going to get it done, um, stuck it out and it paid off. And I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, you know, how do you hunt all day in a, in, in a, in a tree stand and, and you sit there from dark till dark? And I mean, I, I just always say, you know, it, I mean, I just, I want it that bad. I mean, I just, you know, I tell myself every morning when I'm walking in, okay, here's your job. You're going to be here all day. You know, it's going to be tough. You know, there's going to be some slow times. Heck, there's days I've hunted and not seen a deer. But then you come back the next day and it's just an explosion activity and you got bucks running everywhere and, you know, just being mentally tough keeps me in a tree. And I mean, it's, that's equated to quite a few nice deer on the wall for me. And, and I mean, that same philosophy goes into out West. I mean, you know, this year, um, I, like I said, I was in, uh, in Colorado for the, uh, the opener. I got out there two days before, um, the, the archery season started and I, I wanted to get a couple days of glassing and scouting in. Um, never been there, never hunted muleys out there. So it was all new to me, you know, and, um, the first two days got into some really good bucks, you know, and then it opened up on Saturday and long story short, the first two days, it was rough. Um, a lot of people were out hiking and doing different things. And even a couple miles back, I was running into people and these bucks went into that dark timber and I mean, you just didn't see them. And, um, I just thought, man, you know, I've got to grind it out. I've, I've got to stick with it. And although I didn't punch a tag, I still ended up making a couple good stocks on some really good bucks. And I mean, got so close, just had a little bit of bad, uh, bad luck. I was telling you the other day, you know, I had some, had some guys from the, uh, the, the, the game department there that were working on a, um, an old bridge doing some restructure on it. And, Pounding some rebar actually cost me probably a, a 40 yard, what I'm going to call a chip shot on a buck that was bedded in a perfect spot. Um, you know, a beautiful, beautiful four by four with a big cheater on the left. I can still picture him now, <laughs> just like it was yesterday. But, but you know, moral of the story is, I mean, it would have been easy for me after that second day to pack it up and head to a new area or another spot in that unit. But, you know, I just said, uh, you know, hey, I got to stick with it. I know they're here. I know I can get on them. It's just going to take me a little bit of time. And, you know, uh, like I said, the those two days, I think I only saw a, one buck and a couple does. So, I mean, it was very, very long days. Um, and it was discouraging, but the mental toughness kicked in. And I just told myself, hey, you've seen them here on Thursday and Friday. You know they're here. You got to stick it out. You got to stick with it. And I mean, you know, it paid off in the way that I found him and got on him and, and had some opportunity. I mean, with a little bit of, with a little bit more luck, I would have got to probably, you know, uh, send an arrow at, you know, at that one. So, I mean, it worked out, you know, but 
like we both said, you've got to be able to stick it out and have that uh, that toughness just to mentally, you know, handle a hunt like that because you're going to have some slow points and you're going to have some long days and, you know, but like you touched on, if you've already kind of got yourself, you know, half torn between whether you should be there or not or, well, maybe I should go back to camp. I mean, you're already beating yourself before the games even really got going. Yeah, for sure. No, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Um, no, it is. And, and with that toughness of covering miles and covering spots and believing in stocks, it is. It's just getting in, it's getting up day in, day out, getting to your vantage points. And, and I always think every day is going to be epic. I always think I'm going to have the best day of hunting I can find. And, you know, and if I don't, it's, it's fine. I just keep hunting hard, but, um, I, I'm always optimistic. And, and just like you were on your Colorado hunt, you've seen them. You got to stick it out. You got to find them. And, and like your whitetail hunting, what you, 17 or you said a bunch of days in there straight, you know, for those whitetail yeah. bucks all day in the stand. Man, that's crazy. That's dedication. And that's, you know, that's believing that that buck's going to make a mistake and, and knowing that you just got to sit it out day in, day out. And today might be the day. Or if it doesn't happen today, tomorrow's the day. But yeah, you, you got to have that belief and you got to, you got to just go for it, you know, and, and make sure you're out there. And it's amazing. If you don't give up on a hunt, you could have the worst five, six, seven days of hunting. But if you stick it out, you might just find that buck day eight or day nine or find that epic hunting and kill one. And it, it surprises me how how much how many times things work out for me. Like I just keep hunting and and like one of the toughest things to to pick yourself up from or to get your mood better is like a miss or a failed stock. Um you know, like you were saying, you were close to that buck in Colorado. When you're so close and you've worked so hard for so many days and then it doesn't come together or maybe you miss them and you airball them and you think, God, that was my opportunity. I've been working six days. I finally got a shot and I airballed them. You know, picking yourself up from that is probably the toughest thing you're going to have to do. And, and you know, like you traveling from Ohio, you don't get to come back every weekend and then go back to your house or, you know, go take five days off and come back. You get one stint, one 10-day stint, one eight-day stint where you've got to make it happen. And and same with me on my adventure hunts. I get I get one chance and, you know, a lot of these spots around Montana, I can hit and come home and, and then go back out. But, but these other states, I've got one stint and one chance to get it done. And you break yourself down mentally with a miss and you're exhausted and you're hungry and it's easy to give up right then. But that's the time when you've got to be mentally tough. you got to just say, you know, whatever happens, I'm going to give it all I have. I'm going to pick myself up from this. And, and you may not get over it that day or that night, but eventually you get over it and you just – like my secret is just to get back to hunting, get back on the vantage point, get back to trying to make a stop, get back to making it happen and I – I try to think of what went wrong. If it was a miss, what did I do wrong? What do I have to do next time? And and I'm almost at my best when I'm on a redemption like that. When I've missed something and I've made a mistake, I just make those mental notes and I I know what I have to do next time and I know the mantra I have to tell myself when I'm stalking in and say I uh, who knows what I did, a punch my trigger or something, you know. As I'm going in and I'm stalking on a buck the next time, I'm telling myself over and over and over again, pull on your shot, pull on your shot, pull on your shot. And then as I draw back my bow, you know, I'm almost remembering that miss and I'm 
saying, okay, put the pin on them, keep pulling, keep pulling, and I, I execute, and then you're able to ace that critter, and, and all that other stuff is forgotten. If you succeed on day nine or day ten and get the buck you want, you forget the failed stocks and the missed shots, and, and, and so – it's a it's a huge part of it that mental toughness ties into so much of this western hunting you know and and you've got such a good handle on it you know and you've gained a lot of mental toughness from hunting out you know out in ohio and out in the midwest in those spots and and you've just transposed it out west but i'd say that's like the biggest key to success out here is just believing in yourself and and being able to pick yourself up and being mentally tough yeah absolutely i mean it's you know it's overwhelming, and honestly, I think a lot of guys are afraid to admit it. But there's, there's, you know, there's a sense of almost fear in going from, say, like me in Ohio, clear out to Colorado or or, or New Mexico or, or up to Nevada or, or whatever, because there's so many unknowns. And I know a lot of people don't like to admit that they're maybe a little scared or nervous or, or whatever. But honestly, I, I think as a guy who's going to go from hunting in the Midwest or from hunting a different region of the world and they're going to dive into, say, going out west, or even a guy that's out west and going to go and travel across to hunt public ground in Ohio, I mean, vice versa, you know, you've almost got to overcome that sense of, you know, uh, being a little bit scared or fear and just, and you know, just kind of go at it with a, head of steam like hey you know i know there might be some tough spots or some rough moments and there you know there might be some things that kind of make me a little bit uneasy but honestly you get by you, you mentally get through that i mean what you're going to experience you know the ups and the, and the good points i mean it'll all be well worth it and i know you were touch you were talking about um you know punching the trigger and just you, you were talking about you know shooting and whatnot and I can't stress again for me about the sheer, just your shooting ability and your attention to details on your gear and your bow and your stuff. Cause like you said, for a guy like me, I've only got eight or 10 days. So I mean, that's another thing I tell people all the time when they ask me about, you know, oh man, I really want to go out west. You know, um, do you have any tips or pointers? I mean, that's one of the first things I say is, Hey, make sure you're in shape, probably the best shape of your life. And make sure you're shooting that bow and you're using your equipment and, you know, you know how to run your jet boil or whatever type of little stove you've got. And you know how to set your tent up and, you know, um, you're familiar with your sleeping bag and you're familiar with doing the stuff in the dark or, you know, I mean, there were times because of lightning and, and storms rolled in in Colorado, I had to hurry up and get, you know, off a of top and get back down onto like a secondary ridge or whatever to get kind of down in the timber and get out of you know a storm that was rolling in and it, it, it might be dark or getting dark and you know i mean just stuff like that that you've got to you know kind of prepare for and 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 know that you might be in that situation and, and you're going to have to do stuff like that and you know for a lot of guys i think that does make you you know a little bit nervous because you just don't ever have to do that you know, like here in Ohio, I never have to worry about stuff like that. I mean, you know, if a bad lightning storm rolls through for half a day, I mean, I just get out of a stand or get off the field I'm on hunting turkeys or whatever I'm doing and jump in my truck and drive 30 minutes home or whatever. But out there, I mean, you're there, you know, you got to live through that stuff. So 
I think that plays a big part of it too is, you know, just overcoming kind of maybe the fear and, and not letting stuff intimidate you while you're out there. And I'm sure you've been in, in, you know, in, in spots where you've been, you know, scared or had something happen that, you know, really puts you on edge. But it's like, you, like you said, you got to bounce back the next day and think, okay, today's the day that 200 inch velvet monster is going to walk by at 25 yards. This is going to happen today. Yeah, for sure. No, you bring up such a good point. It's something that we don't talk about much is the, the fear of the unknown or the, the fear of it. And, and like you touched on, like the adventure, it's so worth it in the end. It's life changing. You have the, the best, most epic adventure you can have when you, when you leave and go on one of these things. But I'm, I'm with you. Even me that's done it a hundred different times in a hundred different places in grizzly country, lightning country, cliffy gnarly country, like, you know, solo, by myself, you know, uh, 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 bad weather. I mean, you name it. I, I've been through it. But but still, even pulling out of the driveway, I mean, I, you know, I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. I mean, sometimes I even shed a tear as I'm pulling out the driveway. Like, you, you get that fear, but you just have to jump off and go do it. And it it's the best experiences of your life. And number one is safety in the mountains. You know, you you got to keep yourself safe first and foremost. But um, not far behind behind is killing a giant buck you know and that's that's always on my mind um but you know you've got to get off those ridges and lightning storms and and you got to keep yourself safe in grizzly country and you you know you all these things you have to really look out for yourself and hypothermia and you know there there's a bunch of dangers in the backcountry so like you say you test out your gear set up your tent you get familiar with setting it up in the dark i mean i run a lot in the dark around here i i just think the more I'm in the woods on my trail runs in grizzly country and I, I'll run in pitch black and I, I just get myself so used to this and then I've done it, you know, for a hundred days a year for how many years and so, you know, I've been there before. I know I can, I can call on my toughness and I'll be fine and I, I know that I can make it through about anything I, I put myself through and, and trust in my skills and trust in my fitness but, but you're right. There is a fear there that's real and it's real for all of us and, and it's, once you make it through it, it's totally worth it and the best experience of your life. But you have to overcome that. You know, you have to you have to get out of your truck and head up that trailhead and head back into the mountains. You gotta pull out of the driveway and and drive fifteen hours to your hunting spot. And you gotta you you gotta put in for those tags and and plan that western hunt and not be afraid and and get out there and and go experience it. Go experience these adventures that's out there for us public land guys in the lower 48 there's adventure for you know under a thousand bucks or under 700 bucks that's just sitting out there waiting for all of us out there for these epic adventures and epic encounters and stocks and and all that hunting that we dream about it's all out there for us all we got to do is put in the work you know so I, I i'm like you you know you just um you dive in head first and plan these things and go for it so um, I'm, I'm sure you got some, some good hunts planned this year, right? You're coming back out West and going for it. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I got a couple points already. Um, you know, I got some options in, in a couple points in Colorado and, um, Utah and, you know, Idaho's on my list and, you know, I, I really, really, really want to get somewhere for sure, and, and hunt uh, hunt the velvets. I mean, that high country timberline, 
you know, the, the big fuzzy horns. I mean, it's just, it's hard to beat that. I mean, I, I want one of those so bad. I can taste it. Um, and then I, I've been looking at, you know, I get real busy jumping around state to state here, you know, hunting whitetails. I, I think I'm going to try to get even, I might even do an, an OTC, you know, over the counter tag um, in Arizona next year. Um, later on, you know, I mean, I've seen some slammers killed this year in Arizona during this late season. I mean, some fantastic bucks and and some some giant coups too. Well, uh, one of your previous guys, um, Travis, didn't he? He just killed what like a hundred and twenty eight inch or twenty six inch. That was a monster coup. I just saw the other day on instagram or something that 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 was an arizona wasn't it i believe oh yeah no travis laid the hammer down or laid the laid the smack down on a giant coos that's as big oh. as they get 126 oh, i don't know where that'll place him in the books but that's as big as they get for coos deer and good for him he's such a he's a heck of a hunter you know just such a a, a great go forward attitude and yeah he went down to arizona late and i was kind of thinking he was a little late on the rut if i'm being completely honest i thought man i usually see that that late rut you know is usually around that first week of january and he was heading about the the third week and i thought ah he might be a little late on it but yeah he found that buck and just crushed that thing and yeah 126 and coos are no easy feat those things are super difficult oh, to harvest God. so good for him i mean if anybody deserves it it's him but um what well, just a coos of a lifetime down there but yeah hunting that arizona that that late season down there during the rut you see those type of bucks i mean uh, um i don't know if i've seen a 126 down there but i've definitely seen you know in the 120 range where they're just giant world-class coos that would put you way up in the record book and you you really get into them and, and love chasing them, but yeah, good for Travis. What a beast of a buck with all those extras. I was so happy and, and proud of him. I just think that's great. Yeah, that was a, I mean, that was just an absolute toad. I mean, I don't know how else to describe that deer. I mean, it, it looked like it should have been a daggone whitetail feeding in one of my cornfields. That's what I told him. I said, man, I said, it looks like that thing should be out in one of my fields here in Ohio munching on corn right now or something. I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe the mass and the stickers and stuff, but yeah, I mean, Arizona, you know, I, I really want to get over there and, um, you know, get on a late season, you know, uh, coos or, you know, well, you know, muley or coos. I mean, they, you know, they're both would be, I haven't actually got to go on a, on a, uh, a coos deer hunt yet. So, I mean, either or would be fantastic, but yeah, I'm definitely, uh, Really, really looking forward to getting back out, um, you know, especially that, like I said, that, that early season. I mean, I just, I have fallen in love with glass in those basins and, and just, you know, seeing them in velvet and on that, you know, that late kind of summer feeding patterns that they're on. And I mean, it's just, it's a great kickoff and start to the season. And I mean, it's just, it's such a fun hunt. And even for somebody that's never done it, I mean, like we've talked about the whole episode, you know, you, you do some research and you find a spot and you hopefully get a tag drawn and man, just go out and enjoy yourself. I mean, the pictures I brought home and the memories and the stuff I saw, I mean, I was telling you, I had a gigantic gyrus moose in front of me at a hundred yards feed and got a bunch of good, you know, uh, 
video clips and pictures of him through the spot and scope and muleys and elk. And I mean, you, know, you just see so much. And it's just such a fun time to be out and, you know, to be out there just enjoying, you know, nature and enjoying everything. Whether you, you know, I know we all want to punch a tag, but honestly, I came home from that hunt and I felt like I accomplished more than I ever have, even on hunts where I did punch a tag, just because I was like, man, you know, I was out here for seven, eight days and I did it and survived and learned so much. And the stuff you take away and see, it's like, you know, I, I got on a plane and, and was heading back. And all I could think about was getting back out there. I mean, it was just like, my gosh, I can't wait to get back out here next year. And, you know, this is going to be my year. I'm going to stick one of them big velvets. I'm telling you, it's going to going to happen this year brian i'm telling you <laughs> i like to hear it no the like you say the trials and tribulations you go through and the bucks you see in the encounters in the stocks you come back a better person you come back changed you know uh uh the the adventures you have are just so great and that you know just like hunting that late season for coos and mule deer it's down in desert terrain and it's different landscape and a different challenge but hunting that early season i mean I've always thought of velvet bucks are like a different species almost. I mean, they're 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 fifty percent heavier than their hard horn cousins, or you once they lose their velvet, and so they're so heavy and just look so big. And then those giant bucks kind of have their guard down a little bit. I mean, they're still tough to kill, but you you seems like you see them. You know, you see those giant world class hundred and eighty, hundred and ninety, two hundred inch deer, and you get a chance at them with your bow. And sure, they're tough to outsmart and they're tough to get right, but you know, just the experiences alone you have and the adventure you have, you just feel like you're living life to the fullest. You feel like you're you're really living in a, an adventure-based life. You know, you you feel like one of those guys that's you know climbing Everest or you know uh, one of those guys that's surfing the big waves or I don't I don't know what it is or the feeling. It's really hard to describe, but it is life-changing, man. I I absolutely love hunting out west. So I'm pulling for you this year. You just got to get that early season tag and go for it. Oh, that's right. I mean, you know, it's, it's fine because I told so many of my friends and family and, you know, and a lot of them just think I'm nuts. They're like, you know, you're going to go off into the wilderness on public ground with 40 pounds, 45 pounds of gear on your back and a bow and, and live for eight days. You know, basically you're training to live like a, a hermit for seven or eight days. And they're like, you call that Fun, and I'm just like, oh, it's a blast. I'm like, it's, you know, 99% of what I'm going to see out there, 1% of the population can say they've seen or they've got to experience. And I mean, for me, that's like just gratifying in itself because, you know, how many people can say they've done and, and saw and, and been in some of the places that, you know, me or a guy like you especially has, have been and got to do and you know, I, I just, you know, if, if there's anything I want people to take away from this, you know, this this episode is, you know, I was that guy that said, man, I, I dream, you know, I've dreamt about going out and I've always wanted to do it. And one day I just said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I mean, that, that's what I want people to take away from this is, I mean, if I can go out and do it and get it done and have these experiences, I'm just a on guy from small town, Carrollton, Ohio, anybody can be doing what I'm doing. And I mean, I, it, it's not breaking the bank. I mean, this isn't some $8,000, you 
you know, fully guided deal. And, and I mean, it's, you know, you get a tag and a plane ticket or you have to fill up your truck with gas a couple times. And honestly, once you've got all your gear, that's about the biggest hit. Once you've got that from year to year, it's just tags and getting out there and getting back. But I mean, you know, anybody that wants to do it can do it. I mean, with some determination and some mental toughness, I mean, Hey, go for it and, and chase those dreams. I mean, that's, that's what I've been living by, and that's just, you know, that's what I'm doing, just trying to fulfill that, you know, that uh, that dream I've always had. It's like that's the only way to do it. It's just hit it full head of steam. Yeah, for sure. Well said, brother. I, I, I agree completely. You know, you just got to dive in and go for it. You know, it'll change your life, you know, the the adventures you'll have. So, no, it's just awesome, and it, it's awesome to talk to you, Clint, and hear your enthusiasm for hunting out west um clint's really made a name for himself he's he's been freelance writing for a couple different places and now you've got a blog that's starting up you do a lot of work with uh working class bow hunter the podcast is that right yeah yep yep i uh i met those guys um bunch of good old boys from the midwest uh i i met them at the uh the A the ata show a few years ago and they were just starting, you know, and, and they've had me on a couple different episodes and we just got to become really good friends. And I mean, they've gotten, oh man, I mean, they've just gotten, you know, it's just grown for them. And I'm so happy and proud of them guys. I mean, they've just done a fantastic job and, and it's really grown and, you know, they're getting, oh, so many different guys around the industry to get on shows with them and stuff. And I just kind of pitched the idea to them. I said, Hey man, let's, you know, let's, let's get a blog going. I'm like, you know, what do you think? And they're like, Hey, you know, Clint, take it. And, and we, we, uh, we actually call it the, uh, the camo collar. It's called the camo collar blog. And, um, I'm, I've, I'm going to try to have one, uh, every week or every, you know, week to 10 days, we're going to have a new blog out and, uh, just, you know, cover a wide array of topics. You know, I mean, we want to inform, entertain and, you know, put a few laughs out there for everybody each week. And, you know, we just try to have a good time with it. And, uh, you know, there's just a huge following for all the bow hunting podcasts and websites and, and different things. I mean, like I said, everybody in the, the hunting and the bow hunting community, I mean, it's, it's very close and tight knit. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I mean, I know you've got a lot of people that, you know, follow you and, and really try to stay up with you know, what you guys are doing and what, you know, what Eastman's doing and stuff. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's fun to be a part of a couple different pieces of that big puzzle. I, I, I really, really, really enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. Well, you're, you're doing good work and you've killed some giant whitetails. <laughs> some of those whitetails you killed. I, I'm going to take you up on it one year. I just want to experience it different, you know, and, and look at it through your eyes, you know, picking stands and choosing locations. So one of these years I'm, I'm going to hit you up on it. And, and likewise, we got to put something together out west. And, and, uh, so I thank you always for your support, Clint. You know, I know you're, you're reading articles and listening to, to Eastman's Elevated and, um, so so yeah, check him out. He's freelance writer. He writes for some different places. You can see him on this blog, world class uh, or uh, working class bow hunter. And then he's Casper Clint on Instagram. Check him out there. So uh, you're just a super guy, Clint, and, and uh, look forward to doing more with you in the future. So thanks a bunch for being on. Hey, thank you, Brian. Can't thank you guys and everybody at uh, Eastman's enough for having me on. It's uh Truly a uh, dream come true to be uh, working with you guys and, and, you know, just to be on here and 
hey, talk bow hunting and talk adventure, and I think I can probably uh, find a find a whitetail worth uh, worth your while to come across the country and hunt. And we're definitely going to have to plan a uh, plan a backpack uh, DIY hunt where we can both live like hermits for a few days and enjoy ourselves too. We definitely got to get that going. <laughs> for sure sounds like a plan man we'll keep in touch so thanks again clint we'll talk to you soon absolutely brian thanks again take care all right that's a wrap um another episode in the books boy i'm just amazed at how fast these things are clicking off um i think this is episode 27 um so 27 hours of me talking on a podcast it's just wild um, and I just attribute, you know, the success of it to you guys to listening in and giving me support on, on my pages and for the podcast. So I really appreciate it, guys, and, and hope you guys are picking up some good tips. I can't wait to see your hunting pictures this year, and, and uh, I know you guys are going to bring down some big bucks and big bulls. So, um, again, the, the podcast was brought to you by Hornady. Um, uh, their XL, Jesus Christ, I can't even remember the, the ELDX bullet. There we go. Um, so great bullet, uh, expansion at all different ranges, super consistent bullet. So go check them out. Thanks for sponsoring the podcast. Um, boy, that with that, um, I just getting this recorded and I'm hitting the road. I'm headed to the coast to go catch some steelhead. So, um, I've got this one all done and I'll, I'll loose it next week while I'm out fishing. So when you guys are listening to this, hopefully I'm tied into a, a giant 20 pound steelhead. So we'll, we'll see. It looks like the weather's stacking up good. So super excited to be a good adventure for me. Even though it's not a hunting adventure, we're in the off season. So it's a, it's a fishing adventure for me. So super pumped to get out of here. So, uh, I'm going to hit the road and with that, uh, check in with you guys next week.